Okay. Sniffles. Okay. Uh, you got a joke? I got a joke. Oh, two-parter. Sure. Oh, two-parter. Um, well, a I'm serial gonna, joke. I'm gonna ask the question and then Kaylee's gonna answer it. She's gonna set me up to make me sound funny. <laughs> oh, I'm very excited for a two-person joke with our first two-guest episode. Cool. cool. Is okay. this the first two? Yeah, I've never done this before. Oh, it's thanks. always been one-on-one. You're thanks for, for accommodating us. A wild ride. We no. could have split up, but we're we're better as a duo. That's, we're better yeah, together. Definitely. Um, okay, should I just go for it? Yeah, do it. Uh, where do mansplainers get water? From a well, actually. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Feminist jokes. Hello, this is the Calgarian. I'm Taylor Lambert. There is an oh shit moment that I think almost every journalist I know, at least every print journalist, has experienced at some point. And that is ending a phone interview, a really great long interview with brilliant quotes, hanging up the call, and realizing that you've failed to record any of it. And the reason this happens with phone interviews specifically is because recording on the phone introduces an extra point of technical complication. On a landline, there's a little flimsy adapter that connects to your voice recorder. On a smartphone, it's often an app or some other gadget. And sometimes those things fail. And I should say here uh, two things. First, yes, journalists tape calls. Uh, the law in Canada is one-party consent, so there's nothing legal or sneaky about it. Don't tweet at me. Uh, second, this is why you always, always, always take detailed notes during any interview. Um, anyway, that's just a thing that happens, and it's happened to me, and it sucks because not only do you have to go crawling back to the person you just interviewed uh, and explain what a dummy you are and take up more of their time, um, but you also just look like an idiot. And while I've been doing this podcast, I've been terrified of that happening, of doing a whole interview with a guest and then not having a recording of it. Well, friends, that day has finally arrived. My guests for the show are Haley Muir and Kaylee Cormack, who play in the band The Shiverettes and are also the co-founders and organizers of the FemWave Festival. As my three dedicated listeners will know, I have never done a multi-guest show before, mostly because it was an extra layer of complication, and I wanted to keep things simple while I, a mere babe in the woods of audio production, figured out how to do a podcast reasonably competently. Um, I felt I was ready, and so we gave it a shot. I had a really great conversation with Haley and Kaylee, and when they left the studio after an hour, I discovered that that extra layer of complication had exposed me for the audio production fraud that I am. I had only recorded about six minutes of a 50-minute interview. We were recording at the Central Library, and I ran down to the doors as fast as I could, and I went outside, and fortunately, I found them. And I must have looked like somebody died because Haley said, oh no, your face, oh my God, what happened? Fortunately, they were incredibly kind enough to postpone their dinner plans to come back up and do a second version of that interview. 
It's still a great conversation the second time around about the FemWave Feminist Arts Festival and its origins and what it's like being a woman or non-binary person in Calgary's art spaces. I should note that given the chaos of everything, the audio quality on this episode is not ideal, but on the flip side, I definitely learned some lessons from this experience and how I hate learning lessons. Now here is my conversation with Haley Muir and Kaylee Corbett. Didn't write it. I'm not taking credit for writing that joke. Twitter wrote it. Somebody on Twitter. I could find their name. Um, if you want to claim credit for it, that's fine. I don't. Oh. Somebody will find me. Uh, at Keegs on Twitter. <laughs> Keegs. Keegs. Okay, so uh, we're doing the second version of this uh, interview, which was a really great, like, 45-minute conversation, and uh, somebody fucked it up. I'm not going to blame, I'm not going to specify who in this room <laughs> fucked it up. Mercury, yeah. Mercury, it's Mercury, Mercury Retrograde. The Mercury Retrograde edition of your podcast. Yeah, we had a great conversation, and apparently I only recorded five minutes of it, because <laughs> uh, it's Monday, I guess. That's mm-hmm. just the thing that happens. So uh, we're going to just like do the highlights of what we just talked about, Yeah. and uh, it's going to have the same magic and the same chemistry. It's going to be wonderful, but like the condensed version, because we only have the studio for like 20 more minutes. We probably rambled too much anyways. We always do. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I wanted you guys on the show to talk about FemWave, mm-hmm. but I don't want to start there. I want to start with your personal backgrounds, uh, your relationship with the city, and how you got into music. So um, also, the, f- the one thing I realized I didn't do in the first one was uh, identify your voices oh. and who is speaking mm. who. So uh, first of all, we'll, we'll start with, who did we start with last time? I think Kaylee? Sure, I think so. Okay, so Kaylee, uh, are you from Calgary? I, he asked, not knowing the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, buckle in. Have I got a story for you? Uh, I am not from Calgary. I grew up in a small town in Ontario. It's called Paisley. It has a thousand people that live in it. Uh, it has no stoplights. Shocker. Uh, it's it's tiny. It's like northwest of Toronto. Uh, and it's a sleepy little town. It's adorable. But uh, once I got to be about 18 or 19, I realized it was too small for me. And I was too weird for it, probably. <laughs> uh, so I went to university in St. Catharines. And then after that, as you do, I followed a boy and moved to Calgary with him. Uh, we have since broken up and he moved back to Ontario. But I stayed. <laughs> so here I am. Uh, 12 years later, I'm not going anywhere. You can't get rid of me, Calgary. I live here now. Yeah. Uh, you must have fallen in love with the city, would you say, to stay here that long? I feel like this whole conversation is just an in-joke referencing like, <laughs> the last conversation that we didn't record. A little bit. But I'm going to try to act like it's the first time I'm telling you that no, I did not fall in, in love with Calgary right away. Uh, it, uh, I don't know. It, like, I just moved here and... It was something different, and I liked it. Uh, and I just liked 
exploring somewhere new that I'd never been before. Um, and then, I don't know, I kind of stayed here and I started to get to know people here. Um, and I think the breakup was probably what cemented me here. It was like, oh, you're gone now? Cool. I like this city a lot more. Uh, so, yeah, once I really got to, like, discover it on my own and who I was as a single adult woman here, it uh, it just felt really good. And I think I really kind of discovered myself here and found a really cool community in Calgary that really helped me kind of become the person that I am. Um, yeah, so I didn't love it right away. I just kind of was here. And 12 years later, I just am still here. <laughs> uh, Haley, how did you end up in Calgary? Um, born and almost raised. Uh, we moved away when I was three. My dad was in oil, uh, so that takes you places. Um, but I've been back since grade five-ish, uh, so I definitely consider myself born and raised. Um yeah, and then, you know, towards the end of high school, tried going to some all-ages shows and um, trying to find bands that I liked and was really into, like, heavy, angry um, stuff because it was there. Um, Not because you were angry? Well, depressed, okay. for sure. <laughs> I don't think I was in tune enough to know if I was angry or not or what I was angry about, um, but I did have a lot of feelings. Um, and then, yeah, kind of wandered around, floundered around, um, did a print, a print journalism writer. I didn't write, uh, print journalism at SAIT and was really into the layout side of things like putting pages together. Uh, so ended up getting a job at Beetroot magazine, doing the layout for them. And yeah, I think that really started to open up a lot of doors in the music, art, culture communities in Calgary. And uh, then I was a student at the U of C and got a summer job at CJSW a decade ago. And um, that was that was really it for me. That was my place. Uh, yeah. Okay. Kaylee, how did you get into music? Um, I kind of grew up a bit of a music geek, I guess. Uh, my dad is a big music fan, and so I would dig through his CDs and listen to whatever he had. Um, and then I was in a choir, and I was in band. I started playing clarinet when I was, I don't know, eight, nine, something like that. Uh, and then when I got to high school, I upgraded to saxophone. Um, I play tenor saxophone. What kind of sax did you play? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sax do you play, Taylor? I also played tenor sax. Ooh. Would you say it's the best sax? It's absolutely the best sax. <laughs> I traded in my saxophone for my first guitar. Whoa. When I was like, I don't know, 14 or something. And it was both a great decision and a regrettable decision because <laughs> yeah. I miss that. But yeah. I know, me too. Mm. We'll start a jazz band together someday. Okay, cool. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I was in like jazz band and concert band and whatever. Um, and I like always knew, I think that I wanted to play music. Um, and then I definitely wanted to play guitar. I always crushed really hard on men that played guitar. And then I think when I got older, I kind of realized, well, I don't really want to be with them. I want to be them. So that was a bit revolutionary when it was like, oh, I don't really want to be with you. I just want to do the thing that you're doing and I can do it better than you can. <laughs> so I, I took guitar lessons, um, started learning some covers. Uh, and then, uh, it took a while. There was a lot of like collecting dust on my guitar for a while, but, uh, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I know more than three chords now though. <laughs> she, so, knows, she knows four now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
power cords. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only ones that matter. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys are in a band called the Shiverettes. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about how that started. Yeah, the best band in the world. Best band in the world. <laughs> um, about six and a half years ago, we think. Um, I had been in a band for a short time previously, um, just yelling into a microphone and writing bad songs, uh, and then had a really bad breakup. And once I was kind of not healing from that, but, you know, sorting through feelings from that, uh, decided that I, you know, had a lot of feelings and trauma and things that I wanted to say and work through. And um, I thought being in a band would be a really good way to do that. Uh, So I kind of knew Kaylee only a little bit, thought she was cool, knew she played a little bit of guitar. Although like, as far as I knew, she was an incredible guitar player (laughs) and like a super professional. Um, So I sent her a random text or an email or something asking if she maybe wanted to be in a band with me. And um, she said yes. So would you say that the Shiverettes was basically just a way for you to get to know Kaylee? Big time. Yeah. All I wanted to do was be best friends with her, and uh, it worked. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> yeah. And we're all better off for it. Hopefully. Uh, the Shiverettes have two very excellently named albums. Thank you. Uh, Real Shrill Bitches and Dead Men Can Cat Call, uh, as well as one of my favorite titled songs of all time, which is Stephen Harper, Suck My Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, I read uh, somewhere, I don't remember where, some interview one of you guys gave where uh, you said that you, it was something about like you're, you're not a political band, but you're, you, if, if it was before the provincial election, if J.C. Kenney wins, you're mm-hmm. not necessarily going to write a song about Jason Kenney. Yeah. Is there no Jason Kenney, Suck My Dick single coming there might be something. Like, I don't think it would be suck my dick, but it would. I I joked that it would be like Jason Kenny, you not, um, <laughs> or something really equally stupid. Um, who knows? We're you know a, only a few short months into that reign of terror, and uh, on the heels of the the budget finally coming out, who knows? We've got unfortunately three plus more years of. Um, Kenny, so it TBD. It could come. Mm-hmm. I feel like he doesn't deserve it. Like, yeah, we could write a song about him, but like, ugh, I just can't even be bothered anymore <laughs> to give him that platform. Like, he doesn't deserve that. Uh, just wait till he becomes prime minister, then you can. Then yeah. You can yeah. Uh, okay, let's segue to Femwave. Sure. Um, Femwave is awesome. Thank As you. I said both in the email asking you to be on the show and in the last conversation that you we You can keep record. saying it. We never get tired of hearing it. I think FemWave is one of the best and most important things to happen in the city in a very long time. Uh, for those unfortunate souls who are unfamiliar with FemWave, can you describe what it is? Yeah, so FemWave is a multidisciplinary feminist arts festival. Uh, it's going into its fifth year this Thursday, Um, it's across multiple venues, uh, downtown Calgary, and we showcase music, art, uh, comedy, film, we do workshops, we do panels, we do all sorts of weird stuff. 
Um, but basically it's to kind of create safe, welcoming spaces for women and non-binary, non-binary artists and anyone that kind of feels marginalized in the arts community. Um, and we're just trying to showcase um, the wonderful art that these people are making and then also trying to make space for people to enjoy that art that maybe wouldn't normally be a part of that scene and wouldn't normally go out to see stuff within the music and arts community. Um, but yeah, just make a space for people that don't feel like they have one normally. Uh, how did how did it start? Where did where did the idea come from? Uh, the Shiverettes, the best band in the whole wide world. Best band in the whole world. <laughs> uh, Kaylee and I were in a band together, still are, but uh, we were starting to play shows early on and played a great show with um, Dive Pool and Hagface, uh, who were both all female bands. Dive Pool. Most. Mostly. Mostly. Um, so we played a really great show with them, and we were just talking about, like, how cool that was, that it was pretty much all women on stage, and that, like, that had never happened to us both on or off the stage, and how cool would it be if we planned one one singular, one-night-only show um, of just music and um, bands that we knew that were made up of mostly women or non-binary folks, um, and then we didn't really do anything about it at that time, but we still kind of thought about it and talked about it on and off and then um basically one day I was just like we got to do it or someone else is going to and I'm gonna be so mad about it um so then we started brainstorming and uh realized that we knew a lot of really great uh women who were doing really great work in lots of different artistic disciplines so we started to recruit other people and um local musician and powerhouse woman Kenna Barima caught wind of it and joined the team and Next thing we knew, we planned a four-day festival in three months. You talked a little bit about the importance of having a space for women and non-binary people. Um, can you talk a little bit about your both of your uh, experiences in the music scene and more broadly in the art world in Calgary operating as female creators and, and patrons of the arts too? Yeah. um, I mean, we've had really good experiences and we've had really bad experiences. Like I think most women would agree. Um, The Calgary scene's interesting because it's, we live in a very conservative city. Don't know if you knew that. Do we? Yes. I hate to break it to you, Taylor, but we do. Uh, We live in a very conservative province. And so there's a lot of people that just hold opinions that don't agree with how we feel. And a lot of people that just really don't think it's important that women make art and that we have voices that are heard. And so I think it's this really interesting thing where because there's so much conservative conservativism, yeah, yeah that's the right word, uh, you kind of get this like seedy underbelly within the city where people kind of get together and support each other and lift each other up. And, you know, it's 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 not all of us, right? So there's these people that are basically being enveloped in this conservative place, but they don't feel the same way and they feel like their voices aren't represented. So it's this really cool thing where you maybe feel like you're not represented, but then you look around and there's this scene of people that all feel that way. So you can all get together and you can kind of fight against that and you can start a resistance. And that's a real resistance, not the McLean's cover kind of a resistance. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really cool. Like Calgary's got this really incredible supportive scene that that I really love. And you know, we've faced some some shitty stuff. Like I 
we did a tape release a while ago, years ago, and I was carrying my amp out and Cecilia, our bass player, was carrying her bass out of a venue and we were with my now husband and he was carrying some stuff too, helping us as a good guy does. And someone in the smoker's pit was like, oh, look at this cool musician and his hot roadies, like just assuming that Cecilia and I were the roadies and that Ryan was the musician. Uh, And like we get comments like that all the time where people just don't assume that you belong to be there. And I don't think they realize how harmful that is, that you just assume that I can't make music and you assume that that's not my space. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's really shitty to hear stuff like that, but it's also really lights a fire under our asses to kind of make the band better, to make Femwave better, and to make that space for people. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, Calgary is a funny place, and there's uh, lots of really conservative folks, and there's lots of really progressive folks. Um, and I think there's more of one than the other. I so. think you're right, based on recent events. Um but yeah, there are there are these two kind of opposite sides of the spectrum, and even within the progressive, you know, music culture community that we live in, there's lots of polar opposite things, and um, you know that was kind of the whole thing with Femwave was like, hey, we see all of this cool stuff happening and being created by women and non-binary folks, but we don't see them on posters or at shows or on stages. Um, and it's kind of like a really interesting spot to be in to know that the the art is there, but that there's nowhere for it to go, um, seemingly. So yeah, it's 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 always kind of a Calgary's great, but there's some things about it that aren't super great. Um, so I think for us specifically, it was really intentional to think about you know, the, the less good experiences that we've had, the sometimes really traumatic experiences that we've had and take those as a learning experience and put them into practice in FemWave to make sure that that doesn't happen for other people. And the more that we can kind of do that and normalize these conversations and these, you know, safer spaces and, um, all of those kinds of things, the more that we can make that just a normal thing, then we hope that that just sort of seeps into everywhere else and, everything gets better. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea for FemWave basically started off as like a one-off, one-night thing, and then it quickly became a four-night festival, and yeah. it has since snowballed, and it's in its fifth year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you guys have said, you don't didn't have any experience running a festival or organizing mm-hmm. something of this scale, and yet you have just continued to do it and done a great job of it. Did you at any point have a holy shit moment in terms of like, we've really built a thing and it is continuing to exist and it has a life of its own? Yeah, I think we've probably had a few holy shit moments, but I think within the past year, we've really seen a lot of growth and a lot of support and we've had multiple holy shit moments this past year. Um, A big one was after last year's festival, we posted a call for board members and committee members because we're constantly trying to bring new blood into what we're doing and new voices and new perspectives um, and let people kind of shape what FemWave is. And we had an overwhelming amount of applications for people that wanted to help and wanted to volunteer their time um we got like phd students uh we got social workers we got like just incredible people and it was like holy shit like 
they are so smart and they know so much. Uh, and, and they believe in what we're doing and they want to offer their time. And it's these people that are so busy, right? That's the way activism and volunteering goes. It's people that are already doing so much that want to do more. But yeah, just the amount of people that wanted to do it, we had to turn people away. Like we just didn't have the space for all of these people to volunteer for us. So that was just like unreal. So what kind of uh, what kind of reactions have you guys gotten? I know that um, you said that you started a Kickstarter in the first year and it, it did fairly well. Yeah, so when we first kind of came up with the concept of FemWave, we immediately knew that paying artists was really important to us. Um, we couldn't show people that we value the art that they're doing and that it requires space and needs space without also compensating them financially for it. Um, so we started a Kickstarter so that we could pay artists in the very first year of the festival. Um, and Calgary came out and opened their wallets and gave us $6,000, which for a little baby DIY festival was a ton of money. Um, and it allowed us to showcase like 30 bands and I don't know how many films and visual artists. And yeah, it was incredible. So we've had like this really great reception and obviously Calgary feels that it needs to happen and that it needs something like FemWave and people are willing to put their money where their mouth is to make that happen, which is pretty incredible because the people that often support arts don't have a lot of money because they're often artists themselves. Um, so it's really heartwarming when people that you know are kind of struggling to get paid for their own art also are the first ones to shell out five, ten, twenty dollars so that something like FemWave can exist. Mm-hmm. What about what do you hear from uh, uh, the performers and the, the artists themselves, as well as like the the festival goers and the audiences? All great reviews. reviews. Um, Best festival ever. Um, Yeah, we've always really prided ourselves on um, good artist care and making sure that the um, artists and performers have a really good time at the festival. Um, And, you know, we program a lot of upcoming artists and emerging artists, and sometimes it's their first show ever. And so we really want to sort of set the bar of how you should be treated at shows. And so we really pride ourselves on great artist care and we get really good feedback from artists that they all felt super welcome and that it was really friendly um, and that they felt like they were really taken care of, um, which makes us feel really good. And so then when they say that, then we just want to keep being better and treating artists even better, especially as artists ourselves. We know what it's like to not have super great experiences at shows. Um, And we do uh, surveys every year after the festival for artists and um, attendees. And we get some really, really beautiful feedback from the folks that come out to the festival um, who, you know, one of our favorite responses that we've ever gotten that I think we all really cling to and bring to every festival that we do is that um, somebody sort of experienced art for the first time with their guard fully down. Um, And I don't, you know, they sort of express that they didn't really realize that anytime they were at a show or at something watching art that they were always sort of like watching their back and, and, keeping an eye on other people and sort of always have your guard up even just a little bit. Um, so it's so cool that FemWave was able to provide a space for even just one person um, that they could, you know, fully immerse themselves in that art and feel comfortable just being themselves and letting their guard down. Uh, so I think we've held that really closely and it's become um, just a really important part of, of what we do every year. Yeah, I think I think that like um, p- 
people, a lot of people don't understand uh, how important that, like, people like me, like cis white dudes, don't understand that other people don't experience the world in the same way. And, like, the idea that somebody might not feel comfortable or feel unsafe at a show, like, completely transforms the way you interact with your surroundings and mm -hmm. the way that you interact with the art that you're witnessing. Um, given, <laughs> I think it's unfortunately true that. Uh, any endeavor or initiative that is designed to carve out space for women or non-binary folks or just any marginalized groups uh, gets pushed back from shitty men. <laughs> uh, so I'm curious, what, what kind of uh, responses have you got from dudes? Well, we've been pretty lucky considering like how... Uh, radical femwave is at its core that uh yeah we haven't had any you know men's rights activists with their pitchforks and whatever showing up at our doorstep so we've been lucky in that regard um we've gotten feedback from i think we got one piece of feedback that you know a, a man that was at one of our um festival shows kind of felt like out of place and like he didn't really belong there and was, was like kind of uncomfortable um which is awesome uh, we don't <laughs> we don't set out to um, make men uncomfortable, and of course everybody's welcome at all of our events, um, and we want everybody to come and enjoy it and experience it. But it is a really important piece of learning to, you know, for people who are in general in life sitting in positions of privilege more often than not, um, all of the time, to maybe experience a space where they're not the focus and they're not the most important person in the room. And um, sometimes that can be uncomfortable. And I think it's really important to sit in that discomfort. And I realize that that tiny bit of discomfort you're feeling at this one event and this one time in your life is how a lot of other people experience life all of the time. Um, so I think that's a really big part of um, the learning portion of FemWave 2 is to come out and learn that, you know, other people experience the world differently and um, that is okay for you to feel just a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So for people who want to go to FemWave, mm -hmm. Yay. Uh, let's plug some shit. Sure. Uh, well, it starts Thursday, <clears throat> November 7th through 10th. Um, of course, full details are at femwave.com. Um, we've got so many artists that we're so excited about. I think one of the things that we're the most proud of for the festival this year uh, is that we booked Havaya Mighty, who went on to shortlist, longlist, shortlist, and then win <laughs> the whole Polaris prize. Um, yeah, so we're really excited to meet her and give her a high five and um, have a really fun time with her. That's Friday night at the Legion. Um, yeah, it feels pretty cool to have her, and it's the first time she's performed in Calgary solo, um, especially on the heels of this record that uh, has now won the Polaris Prize and is getting a lot of accolades. Um, she's performing with a lot of really great artists at that show. Um, some other rappers, Equal from um, Regina, and some great local rock and roll bands and um, Canadian bands upstairs as well. We've got, a, like rave DJs in the basement, which will be super fun. Uh, so that's our big show Friday. Yeah, we 
decided to open up wildcard submissions this year. Um, every year we've had people kind of approach us and say, hey, I do this piece of art or I have this idea of this concept that doesn't really fit within the categories of music, film, visual art, or comedy. Would I be able to make this thing happen, whatever it may be. So this year we opened up submissions and we were like, hey, what crazy ideas do you have that you think would be fun at FemWave? Um, and we got to comb through all these wacky ideas and it was so fun. Um, so this year we've got some just like interesting programming. I think the one thing I'm super excited about is the plant and clothing swap. Uh, so that takes place Saturday afternoon at Hi-Fi and it's a free all ages event. Um, and people can come and Fashion Revolution YYC is this local organization that's doing the clothing swap. And so I think they're bringing some clothes. You can bring your own clothes and you can basically just trade in some stuff for some other stuff and try some clothes on and take them home with you and you don't have to pay anything for them. And the whole kind of concept behind that is that, you know, this disposable fashion idea that everyone is doing right now that there's so much waste from clothes and people just buy clothes and wear them. I think on average four times and a garment gets worn and then it gets disposed of. So we're, they're trying to promote uh, reusing and recycling clothing. Uh, and then simultaneously uh, we were doing a plant swap. So this local artist, Alyssa Ellis, uh, she's this cool local plant lady. Uh, I don't know. She's just all about plants. And so she had this idea that people could come and like swap plant cuttings with each other, which I just love. That is so brilliant. It's just so weird and I love it so much. Uh, as someone who's finally learned to keep a plant alive, I'm so stoked about this event. Uh, and so if you've got like a cutting or something, you can bring that. If you don't have one, you can just uh, come and check stuff out. And I think Alyssa's bringing some plant cuttings as well as so you can adopt a little plant baby and take it home with you. Um, and then you can just talk to other people and like, you know, and be like, oh my God, I love your ficus and just, just gush over plants together. Um, so also Saturday afternoon, we've got this other kind of weirdo wild card programming and it's called the nap in and it's led by local artist, Barbara Bickle. Um, and the whole concept behind it is that basically you can nap as a form of resistance against capitalism. Um, so it's kind of like kicking back against this busy go, 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 rush, rush, rush society that we all feel we have to be constantly doing and producing and, you know, contributing to. Um, so Barbara invites you to come to McHugh house and you can wear like comfy clothes and you can bring a pillow and a yoga mat or we'll provide you with blankets or whatever. And you just curl up on the floor with a bunch of people at McHugh house and you nap. And in that nap, you are resisting. And I, am I love so it. I'm so here for this because it's <laughs> like know. justifying the naps that I already take as mm -hmm. radical resistance somehow. Yes. So Thank perfect. you for yeah. the work that you do yeah. in your resistance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then so you can wake up from the nap and then she has this thing called the dream scroll and you can make a piece of art for it. You can like write a poem or, you know, do a painting or whatever you kind of feel inspired to do and then add that to the dream scroll. And I, I don't know, I don't want to explain exactly the purpose of that, but it's just kind of a way to like take your dreams and put them all in this piece with everyone else. Uh, and I just think it's the coolest thing. Yeah, it does sound very cool. Yeah, and it's free and all ages as well. Nice. Uh, do you guys want to plug the Shiverettes? Okay. The best band in the world. Best you band mean? in the world. Um, yeah, we just put out our sophomore record um, in April. It's called Real Shrill Bitches. You can listen to it and get it anywhere, really. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a couple of shows coming up between now and the end of the year. Um, Gateway, 
Palomino Ship and Anchor, um, but you can also find us online and um, get details that way. And if you happen to be listening in Dresden, we'll see you next year. <laughs> We're coming to Europe. <laughs> Going to Europe, baby. Uh, yes. I want to find all the Nazis in Dresden. Yes. Um, we absolutely are. I'm definitely going to punch a Nazi in the face in Dresden. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dresden declared a Nazi emergency. For uh, context. Yeah. And uh, that's that's what that means. They they said like, oh my God, the Nazis are coming back. We've got this real Nazi problem, so we better get the Shiverettes over here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it happened exactly like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's fun. We've never been to Europe. Uh, we've never played outside of Canada. No. Uh, so that'll be super fun. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, I want to wrap up by talking about the future of this mm. brilliant festival mm. because it started off small and it has snowballed into something much larger. Uh, and I'm wondering where you see it going and have your ambitions for it changed? Kaylee wants the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Haley always takes the mic. Yeah. <gasps> Kidding. She's right. It's Leo. Very Leo. Yeah. <laughs> um, the future for FemWave, we'll see. We do take it one year at a time. When we started it, it was just going to be one festival. Um, and then we liked it so much that we kept going. And we kept going and we kept going. And now we're in year five. Um, but it is, I think, very real to realize that it's entirely volunteer run. So Haley and I... We work with a board of directors, with a team of committee members who are 100% all volunteers. No one is getting paid for it, although we did just get a little grant, so we might get some honorariums. Uh, but still, it's like like a dime an hour, if that, when you count out how much work goes into it. So the future is always a little precarious for us. Um we do take it one year at a time and just see if we're going to do it again. But we've been really working hard on succession planning because we're realizing, you know, the burnout that's really real with putting on um, an activist arts festival every year. So we're trying to kind of train more people now. We're getting really big on mentorship. Um, we brought in two music curators this year, which was new for us. We've always programmed the music ourselves. So we brought in music curators and kind of taught them how to do it. Um, we've got film curators, um, comedy curators, all sorts of curators that were kind of teaching them how to take this thing and run with it. Um, and we've got a really solid board of directors now too. So we're looking at stepping off the board and just reporting to the board. And then eventually we're hoping that if something happens and we decide to step aside that this can keep happening without us because we really think it's important and we think that the city needs it and whether or not we can be there to make it happen we want to make sure that it keeps happening without us um but we'll probably keep doing it ourselves because we love it so much <laughs> that's awesome um okay so thank you guys so much for doing this not only once but twice yes. and we have overcome so many recording problems today it's just absurd. And you're like in the busiest <laughs> week of your year right now because the festival is about to start. And it is. I, I'm just taking Three up, taking up so much of your time. So thank um, you so much for doing this. No problem. The Calgarian with Taylor Lambert. So nice we did it twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the show. Big, huge, enormous thanks to Haley and Kaylee for their time and patience. Definitely go check out FemWave. It is awesome. There's a ton of cool stuff going on. Check the show notes. There'll be a link to the festival website in there. One last thing. I have some awesome Calgarian t-shirts. They're actually really nice. Uh, shout out to Burnt Toast Studios for doing a great job on them. 
They're for sale for $20 each if you want to support the show. Go to thecalgarian.ca for more details. The Calgarian is hosted and produced by me, Taylor Lambert. Theme music is Dandelion by Ghostkeeper. If you like this show, please feed and water it by sharing it on social media, leaving a review in your podcast app, or checking out the Patreon. Thanks for listening.